All right, well, I, I like to start my, my messages with the quizzes. And uh, here's, here's a quiz. Anyone know who this guy is? If you do, I'd be shocked. I think there's probably maybe one, one guy who knows who this is. Who is this, David? This is Sean Woods. Do you know who Sean Woods is, Ryan? All right, well, this guy is... Um, is uh, leads up a YouTube channel, and the YouTube channel's name is called Mousetrap Monday. And every Monday, he publishes a video um, and talks about, reviews, a mousetrap. He talks about where he got it. Um, Sometimes he buys it from a store. Usually, he buys it online. He especially loves old vintage mousetraps that were made 100 years ago, uh, or more um, that he buys on, on eBay. Sometimes he finds old designs in books or, or patent books somehow, and um, he, he sees these and he makes these old mouse traps and kind of checks them out. Sometimes viewers have mouse traps that they send to him, that, that, and they come in all sizes. Like some have been um, 3D printed mouse traps that, that try to work. Others like new concepts and design for, for mouse traps. I never knew that there are so many ways to catch mice. Well, every Monday, he, um, he shows how one of these mousetrap works. He, he sets it up, and then he normally takes a pencil or something like that and shows how it's going to snap or something like that. And then he, he um, puts it in his barn where there are lots of mice. And he tests it and uh, films it with motion cameras and shows how well they work or how well they don't work. Now, before I continue, let me just tell you, dads of young boys, this is like a perfect channel to watch. As you watch the, the demise of these mice, there's something that's quite amusing and tension-filled as you see the last few seconds that a, a mouse is going to breathe here upon, uh, upon the earth. Now, unfortunately, I, I say with restrictions on YouTube, uh, Sean Woods has to be very careful about what he puts up there and what exactly he shows. Um, he used to show many of the details, so look, look at his older videos, and those are better videos than the the newer videos that he has. You can see how the, the trap works. And when the mice are trapped, right, oftentimes, right, they, they flop around for a little bit until they, until they stop moving. Um, they can't get free and they quickly die. And sometimes he tests a live mouse trap, which will catch mice live. And when it does, and often when the, the mouse realizes he's trapped, he'll panic and he'll like, like be running around and scattering around until eventually he realizes that he can't escape and he runs out of steam and and so when the morning comes, Sean Woods, for the, the death traps, will show the dead mouse. And for the live traps, will show the mouse who normally is sitting there exhausted, resigned to just say kind of whatever, whatever happens will just will happen. And then he lets the mouse go. Often needs to like encourage the mouse outside of the trap because it's been sitting there all night long just trapped like, oh, what's, what's going to happen? And so they're elated kind of when they, they can leave. It's, it's very interesting. And I commend that channel to you. I know, David, we've liked the channels, huh? We've liked the videos. They've been very good. And you, you've seen them too? How many else have you seen them? Okay, just, just okay, you've seen them, Dallas. All right. Have your students told you about them? Is that the deal? No, you just... Okay. <laughs> He's got well over a million subscribers. He's very fun, very down to earth, lives on this farm, and does, does great things really we're good. But these mouse traps and these mice have some lessons today as we look to Proverbs because Solomon's going to share with us two traps of life for us to avoid. My, my message comes from Proverbs chapter 6. 
verses 1 through 11. My message is entitled, Avoid the Traps. And so if you haven't done so, I invite you to open your Bibles to Proverbs 6. Uh, this morning, <clears throat> we are in Proverbs 5 last week. This morning, we're going to get through verse 11. Uh, and then next week, I think we'll look at verses 12 through 19 as we, we continue on. And if you didn't bring a Bible, you can take one from one of the chairs in front of you. Page 530 is where you can find it. I just want to read these 11 verses for us this morning. Solomon, writing to his son, says this. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger, if you, have, if you are snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself. For you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go, hasten, and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep, and give your earlids no slumber. Give your eyes no sleep, and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant, O slugger. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler... She prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Our text breaks down nicely in two different sections. Each of them talk about ways in which you could easily be trapped in life. Right? The, the first way, the first trap of life that Solomon speaks to his son is this, putting up security. You see that right there in verse 1. If you have put up security for your neighbor, or using this phrase, <clears throat> excuse me, given your pledge. These verses talk about a financial arrangement that uh, you might make, becoming liable for the debt of another. Today we call it co-signing on a loan. And it often happens with, uh, with children who they purchase their first car or perhaps their, their first house. Um, being young, they haven't had time to build up equity and, as collateral for their loan, but their parents have the equity and they want their kids to succeed. They want their kids to go on. And so the parents co-sign for the child. And should the child not be able to fulfill the responsibilities of that loan, the bank then can uh, go after the assets of the parent to repay the loan. Co-signing happens with married couples. They're purchasing a house together, and so they both sign the marriage. That means they're both responsible for paying off this mortgage. And that often happens. And, and though these examples of a, of, a, of a parent co-signing with a child or a married couple signing together, it's not quite what Solomon's talking about. He, he's not addressing co-signing with your child or, or with your spouse where you're ready and willing to take the loss to help them. You're, you're willing to do that. Solomon addresses co-signing for your neighbor or a stranger. Look again at verse 1. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor or given your pledge for a stranger, that is some kind of friend or or acquaintance, maybe not as intimate as a parent or a child or a spouse. Solomon's talking about maybe about your next door neighbor, talking maybe about uh, someone you just met who gives you a business pitch about something in which you can invest in. It might even apply to someone you've known a long time, maybe some kind of business associate or some friend from work. And Solomon says, don't become surety for them. In other words, don't take up responsibility for the failure 
of your friends that is financial failure. It's not for you to take up their financial risks. Don't become surety for them. Now, putting up security, becoming up surety is, is a common thing in Proverbs, and it's never a good thing. Proverbs 11.15, whoever puts up security for a stranger will surely suffer harm. But he who hates striking hands and pledge is secure. So it's almost like if you, if you put this up and if you sign, if you're responsible for them, you will probably in all likelihood suffer harm. But, but the one who doesn't want to shake on the deal, they're secure because they're not depending upon other people. Proverbs 17, 18, one who lacks sense gives pledge and puts up security in the presence of his neighbor. You will lack sense if you do this. It's not a wise thing to do. Uh, Proverbs 22, 26, be not one of those who gives pledges, who puts up security for debt. Just don't do that. It's not a wise thing to do. Or Solomon's advice is simply this. Don't take financial responsibility for the financial failure of your friends. Now, in verse 2, we see much of the same. I think in the context, it's talking about the same thing. If you're snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, in the context, he probably has the same idea, making some kind of financial pledge or some financial promise, which is bad for you because you take all the risk, but you receive none of the benefit. Well, if you're caught up in this financial distress, verse 3 tells you what to do. He says, then do this. So, in other words, the Proverbs say, don't do this. But if you have done this, here's what you should do. He says, my son, save yourself. For you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go hasten and plead urgently with your neighbor. Solomon says, go and talk with your neighbor. Try to get out of your financial predicament. Notice the strong words. He's saying, go, hasten, plead earnestly. Plead urgently. And in verse 4, even the, the urgency is here. Give, no, give, give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. In other words, right? Get at it. Don't delay. You're trapped. And like the mice who try to get out, some, some of Sean Wood's mice, tra- mouse traps, they don't work so well and the mouse somehow gets out and escapes. That happens from time to time. And if you're trapped, he said, be like that mouse and get out. You need to get out of that trap. You need to do that today. And then the illustration that Solomon uses in verse 5 is that of a, of a trapped animal. He says, save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of a hunter, like a bird from the hand of a fowler. You ever seen a trapped animal or a wounded dog? It's, it's going to try to bite the hand that saves it. Or, or the, the, the trapped animal or the, the bird that flops and flutters and tries to, to get escape because it knows it's about to die because it's trapped. Well, so likewise, Solomon is telling us, save yourself like a, a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of a, of a fowler. Mousetrap Monday shows some mice in that, in that way. But here we have the example from a gazelle. We have an example from a bird. And so this week in YouTube, I just said, hmm. I wonder if Mousetrap Monday works for other things. So trapping birds. And you'll see all sorts of details about people making these bird traps that catch birds. Whether a big net comes right down on them or whether they get some kind of string 
around their, their foot. And, and when they do, right, they're going to flap all around and try to, try to get out. They jump and flutter and do all they can to find freedom. And, and you can just type trapping animals into YouTube. And you can find more of the same thing. Making traps, capturing animals, and you'll see the same thing. A trapped animal is frantic, trying to get out, trying to be set free. And that's how Solomon calls us to look at the financial traps that we might fall into. Frantically get free. Do everything you can. If you become surety for a neighbor, type emails, make phone calls, call your creditor, talk to a banker, seek advice from a financial counselor. Said, I'm here, I just need to get out of this thing. Even Jesus gave this wisdom in the Sermon on the Mount. He pictured you being dragged off into court. Matthew 5, 25 and 26. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you've paid the last penny. That's what Solomon is advising his son to do. If you've been trapped financially, come to terms quickly with your accuser and do whatever it takes. Now, that is Solomon's admonition here of just being trapped I, I think a way even to expand the application of this, which I, I think is fair, he's talking about financial traps that you might get into. If you make a bad business deal, if, if you make some kind of uh, deal that was bad. In fact, I, I remember, I don't know all the details, uh, but my father, when he was youngish, I don't know, maybe 40-ish or so, he, he bought a piece of property and he just had no peace about it. And uh, all I know is he, he told me that, you know what, I didn't sleep for two nights because he made this purchase, knew it was bad, and just had to get out of this out of this thing. And he did. He took a loss, but that was better than holding on to this, which would have been much worse. I think that financial trap he's talking about, if you make a bad purchase, if, if you purchase a, a car, and you say, no, this isn't, isn't quite right, and, and you, try, you re- return that car, get it right, uh, do whatever you can to get out of your financial trap. And I, and I think one of the biggest traps today are plastic it's credit cards you know we live in a world today has very low interest rates here in america our economy is going well that means that that money is is going well interest rates are are low right now because there's plenty of money around to be to be lent the the federal interest rate right now sits at two percent that that's the the rate that the government will lend money to the banks overnight two percent it's about where inflation is right now Right? Every year, things cost about 2% more because they decrease in value 2% more. There's more dollars, right? There's more being raised, and inflation is not such a bad thing if it is less, if it is low, and 2% is, is good. But listen to this. According to creditcards.com, which evaluates the average annual percentage interest rates of over 100 credit cards this week, the average interest rate on credit cards is 17.35%. And the government loans at 2% and credit cards at 173 That's the average, mind you. Uh, other cards then are much higher. It's, it's not unusual for credit cards to charge 25%. That's a lot. That's a tra- if you're in a credit card debt, you're trapped. 25% is hard. And I know I'm preaching to some of you are like that. I just encourage you to go and do what you can to get out of that. Because it's a, it's a trap. And, and you know what? You, you get entrapped by nice letters. I received a letter this week from 
ExxonMobil. It's addressed to Steve Brandon, part of Rock Valley Bible Church. So it's to me, but it's, it's to the church. And I, this is just the one I, one I got this week. Maybe you threw out a few more, Vaughn. I don't, I don't know. But you get credit card offers oftentimes. But, but look at what this thing, this thing promises. Never pay full price for fuel again. Like, oh, I don't ever want to pay full price again. And then I open this up, and here's like a, maybe not a real credit card, sample credit card. Big fuel savings now and down the road. Fuel anywhere and save up to 15% on total fuel management costs. <laughs> I could do this on behalf of the church. We could be good. Uh, dear Steve Brandon, you have never, now you never have to pay full price for fuel again. With ExxonMobil Fleet National Card Program, right? All the fleet of cars in our church. Just me. Um, you can enjoy rebates on every gallon plus big savings on your overfuel, overall fuel management. Save time, money, and hassle of fuel accounting. The money-saving features, one card, right? Rebates up to $6 a gallon. Universal acceptance, 95% of U.S. gas stations. Control over purchase limits. Security. No more cash receipts, right? Just send this all in. And this is very typical of credit card thing. There's nothing in here about interest rates that I'm going to pay. I don't think it's 2%. I think it's going to be a, a little bit higher. All I have to do is sign up or call the fax company. Now, this might be good if we can stay on top of things, if we have cash on hand to, to pay for it, if we have the administrative ability to make sure that we pay for it. This, this could be not, not such a, a, a bad thing. Um, because think about it, how is it that credit, credit cards can put out such great offers? Because they do. Do you realize that the reason why credit cards can succeed so well is the same reason why casinos are glitzy and glamorous? It's because they prey upon the losses of their patrons. I mean, the only reason why Las Vegas is so glitzy and glamorous is because of the many gamblers who've gone there and lost so many millions of dollars to build those nice buildings and realize credit cards can offer great things because of all the people are being heisted at these high interest rates they can never pay back. They're, they're getting 22% on their money. But credit cards can be, if they're, if they're used rightly, you can game the system and do well. But if you miss a payment or can't have the administrative abilities, you're sunk. It's a trap. Especially if you don't have the resources to pray, to play. So if you're in some sort of credit card debt, even close to that, I, I, would, I would say that you're in financial distress and I encourage you to get out of the trap to save your life. In fact, look at, look at the language Paul, or Solomon uses here in verses 3 through 5. He says this, do this, my son, and save yourself. Or verse five, save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of a hunter. You need to save yourself because you are in danger of, of perishing. And, and, and really, the, the, the truth of the matter, right, is it's a getting out of the trap may be difficult and may require like long years of financial struggle in order to have a, a solid financial future. You, you don't get into financial trouble in a moment. You walk down that hill. And so likewise, to get out of that, you need to work hard to get out of that. Um, 
But I can't help if we think about this salvation language here to talk about the most ultimate salvation that there is. Because a financial trap is only a temporary. Solomon says, get out of it. But if your eternal trap, your, your real trap, is an eternal thing, I think it follows that we ought to get out of that as well. And all of us have been trapped by our sin. And our sin leads to our eternal death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. That is eternal death after we die. It's appointed a man to die once, and after this comes judgment, and judgment is, is eternal. And the Bible calls us, just as we're not supposed to save ourselves to get out of financial debt, so we are to save ourselves out of our spiritual debt. The Bible often talks about our, our debt to God in our sin is a spiritual debt. Colossians 2, verses 13 through 16. And the good news is this, though is that though financial deliverance may take months and years to fully resolve, our spiritual deliverance can be done in a moment. Because when it comes to eternal salvation, we we don't have to work ourselves out of the the sin debt that we have. There's one who's ready and willing to pay the debt, Jesus Christ. You simply need to repent of your sins, confess your sins to God, believe in Christ, and trust His sacrifice on the cross as sufficient to wipe away your sins. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Could, could you imagine how wonderful this would be to get out of financial debt that way? All you got to do, acknowledge your debt. Confess all your wrong decisions that led to that debt. Pledge, pledge not to repeat the errors of your ways. And Mr. Benevolence Banker comes along and pays off all your debt. Now, who wouldn't sign up for that? Or who wouldn't vote for a politician who promises that? Mr. Sanders is promising. Yet, same is true spiritually. That very reality is true spiritually. Yes, God, I have failed. I have sinned. I'm I'm a wretch before you. I, I need forgiveness. I trust in Jesus. And sins can be wiped away. Who wouldn't vote for that? Who wouldn't want that? But that's there. And the fact that few are willing to believe in Jesus shows merely that hearts are hard. I hope that's not you this morning. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and get out of your debt. Your spiritual debt. I mentioned Colossians chapter 2. Let me just just read it for you. How Jesus pays our, our financial debt. That's the idea of redemption. We've been redeemed by his blood Colossians 2, he says this, You who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with them, having canceled us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. And this he set aside, nailing it to the cross, forgiving all of our sins. Mr. Benevolent Banker is who the Lord is, will forgive us and make us right. Rescue you out of your eternal distress. You'll be saved from your debt. Well, we've seen the, the trap of putting up security. Let's look at our second point today. The trap of being a sluggard comes in verses 6 through 11. It's interesting. Solomon here invites us to a study into the animal world. Did you know that Solomon, 
when he was given wisdom by God, was, was given wisdom about many things, including the animal kingdom. Listen to 1 Kings 4, verse 29 through 34. God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand of the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than all other men, wiser than Ethan the Ezrahite and Heman and Calcol and Darda, the sons of Mahal, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs and songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and of fish. And the people of all the nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who heard his wisdom. And Solomon here is not going to tell us the wisdom of the ant. He's going to ask us to look and study and pursue our own study of the ant. Go to the ant, he says in verse 6, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Now, there's many fascinating things we could study about ants. We could study how strong they are. Superhuman strength are ants. They can carry objects 50 times their body weight in their jaws. If you had muscles proportion of the ants, you'd be able to lift up a Hyundai over your, your head and just carry it along. That's right. We could study where they live, how numerous they are. You know, the ants live on every single continent except Antarctica. How ironic. <laughs> Antarctica. They're not there. Over 12,000 species of ants. Estimated there are 1.5 million ants on the planet for every human being. That's a lot of ants. We could study that. How prevalent they are. We could study their anatomy. They don't have lungs. They breathe oxygen through spiracles, holes in the sides of their bodies. They can live underwater for 24 hours. They don't have ears. They sense vibrations to guide them. They have two stomachs. One to feed themselves and then one to carry the food to go back into the nest and bring food to feed their ants who are in the nest, tending to the duties of the nest and to the queen. We can study their ingenuity. They communicate with other ants through chemical symbol, signals called pheromones. These chemical signals communicate danger. or They can tell the, the trail to food sources. The, we can study their division of labor. They have queen lays the eggs. Some workers build, maintain the nest. Others are out of the nest foraging for food. Other workers guard and defend the nest. I, I found out this week of a soldier ant whose head is shaped differently than the other ants, able to block the entrance to the nest with their head like a cork in a bottle. And so only those want to come in. He like pulls back his head, they can walk in. Otherwise, he's uh, stopping up the hole. Now we can study these things, and we've only scratched the surface of these amazing creatures. But Solomon's calling here to study is one thing about their ants, their work ethic. Look at verse 6. Go to the ant, O slugger, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. And this sort of knowledge is available to all of us. In order to tell you those other things about the ants, I had to go to the internet to kind of find out and, and uh, get up on what ants are all about. And there's so much more. But, but this we can figure out because Solomon just says, you go and you look at an anthill. And you study and look at those ants. And I, I remember doing this as a child when I had infinite time. Parents remember those days when you had infinite time? 
And I remember sitting down and watching ant colonies. And I was known to take out a magnifying glass from time to time and check my aim and wasn't quite so successful. Didn't draw smoke at all, but was trying. But I remember watching these ants come and go. And as best as I can recall, it looked a little bit like people in a subway station during rush hour. Everybody coming here, busy, 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 busy. I, I remember sometimes then disrupting their work, taking a little sand and, and pouring it down their holes and seeing how quickly the ants were able to reconstruct a new hole into their nest or clear it all out and the frantic nature of that. Um, when I was done observing them, I remember collapsing the entire hill and seeing all these ants carrying their, their eggs all around to try to save them. Sometimes even just collapsing it in and seeing how quickly it took to have all the ants dig out from that. And I, and I never wiped them out. They all came back. I didn't realize until this week that I had 1.5 million of them to try to wipe out to do my, my work here upon the planet. But one thing, as I observed, and as you all know, is very obvious. Every ant I ever observed was always hustling about here or there. Often with something in their mouth. Whether it's a grain of sand coming out of the hole or some sort of organic material coming back into the hole. Maybe some egg being moved to save. Always, always something. Always busy. And this is what Solomon wanted his son to do. To look and observe how busy the ants are. And I encourage all of you children to do the same. Children, have you ever done that with an anthill? Just sit there with your infinite time and watch the ants. That's a good thing. Solomon tells you to do that. It'd be helpful for you adults to return to your childhood as well and to do that. Watch the ants. Notice how hard they work. And, and, and they work even when they don't have an overseer pressing them on. Look, that's the, the point that Solomon brings out here in verse 7. Without having chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. You know, this is the signal of a good worker. They don't always need to be told what, what to do. In the summer, the ant prepares the bread and the harvest. She gathers her food. Likewise, children, listen carefully now, okay? Parents, this is time for you to give a little, little nudge to your child. The wise child will pick up the clutter in the family room. The wise child will set the table and clean the dishes and do the laundry fold the clothes and vacuum and help around the house. The wise child gets off the computer, does the homework, and goes to bed on time without being asked. Okay, now I know I'm like painting this like dream world out there that's never going to happen, but kids, you can make this happen. Can't you? Especially if you observe the ants, and there's no like mama ant telling the baby ant what to do, and the baby ant, like, it's not going, oh, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. You, the, the ants are just screwing all around full speed. And children, you can be a huge blessing to your parents if you but do those things. And I want to really encourage you to do those things without mom or dad constantly badgering you. Take up some responsibility. When you see the dirty thing, clean it up. And then watch your mom and dad's jaw drop to the floor and say, <laughs> what? You say, just trying to be like the ant. Just learning from the ant. 
Kids, what a, what a good experience that, experiment that would be, right? See how my mom and dad respond when I, I do these sorts of things that I know they want me to do, but they're not telling me, but they might be telling me, and just get ahead of the game and see how surprised they are. And also, in the spirit of Proverbs, see the blessings that come your way with mom and dads having great attitudes towards you, thankful for the wise children they're raising up, right? But you know what? If you don't do these things, so kids, don't do this. Wait for your parents to tell you everything to do and do your work grudgingly. And you know what will come to you? Poverty. Poverty will come to you. It's the exhortation we see in verse 9 to the the sluggard. Introduced in verse 6, more expanded in verse 9. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and like an armed man. This is the theme that holds together the first 11 verses in this chapter. is just the financial repercussions of choices that you make in life. Verses 1 through 5 might be a bad financial decision that sort of wipes you out. But 6 through 11... Just speak about the the laziness which brings a a slow deterioration into poverty. Um, In in fact, that's even the emphasis here about verse 10, right? Just just a little sleep. Just a a little slumber. Just just a little folding of the hands. This isn't a lot. This is I'm not going to sleep my year away. This is I'm going to sleep an extra half an hour. I'm just going to rest for just a little bit longer here. And then poverty comes upon like a robber. Just know, children, that that Solomon, and adults too, I guess, Solomon is trying to keep us from ruin and disaster. He's looking out for our good. I mean, one of the key themes of Proverbs is this, right? Is if you you follow in the ways of God, you're going to be blessed. You submit to your parents and your life will be long and happy. If you follow the Lord, your life will be protected from evil. You'll be protected from the wicked man and the, and the wicked woman out there. You'll be able to walk in the ways of God and he will bless you in that. If you listen to the cries for wis- from wisdom, your, your life will be blessed. And, and one of those blessings is financial. But the, the financial blessing doesn't come just because. The financial blessing comes because you work hard. And that's what verses 6 through 11 are talking about. And young people, I just encourage you to work hard. Kids, work hard. When it comes to your school, work hard. You may not like it, but work hard. Be attentive in class. Do your assignments on time. Because you know that your, your work ethic in school will translate to a work ethic in a future work. Well, not all the time, but for the most part. If you're working hard at school, regardless of the grades, if you're working hard, putting your effort in, that will translate into prosperity and success in life. But if you're not attending in class, you're not doing your, your assignments on time, it, it may translate to other areas. Like you show up late for work. You only kind of half-heartedly do your work. Because if you're not used to doing your work with, with, with your whole might when you're in school, when you're at your job, you probably aren't 
going to work very hard either. Do you know that most employers are simply looking for employees who show up on time and do their work willingly, put in a full day's work for an honest day's wage? That's what most employers are looking for. And if you do that, you'll never lack a job. You'll find things to do. And you won't lack. But sadly, in our society, there are many sluggards who prefer their time on the couch than spending days in the industry. And, and I believe this begins with your childhood, begins with habits. Parents, you need to be conscious of this, right? When, when children waste their days in video games and websites rather than outside industry and activity. Solomon speaks much about the, the sluggard. And often it is humorous. Proverbs twenty six fourteen. As a door hinges as a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. He says, just picture the squeaky door kind of blown softly by the wind that goes So does a sluggard on his bed. Or his couch, or his chair, hardly moves, except maybe his thumbs, or his fingers. Proverbs 29, Proverbs 19, verse 24, the sluggard buries his hand into the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. The picture here is one of so lazy that he's kind of like sleeping on his, on his dinner table and putting his fork or spoon and and just not quite getting there i don't know if that's ever happened except for like a toddler who falls asleep on the high chair i've seen that picture a few times but it's a picture supposed to be humorous how crazy that is that you're so lazy even to take your 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 food from the dish up to your mouth but that's how sluggards are it's the utmost picture of laziness In another proverb, we read this. The sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I should be killed in the streets. You know what that is, right? That's just an excuse. I can't mow the lawn right now because it's cloudy and it might rain. Or it's too hot right now. I'll wait for the evening. What happens when the evening comes? Oh, it's too dark now. I can't mow my lawn. I can't go outside right now because mosquitoes will bite me. And you know all the diseases that mosquitoes transmit. I wouldn't want to get sick now, would I? I can't go to the store right now to pick up what you wanted because it's too crowded. I'll wait for the crowds to subside and then I'll go. The crowds never subside somehow. It's amazing. I can relate to many of those things. And with such excuses, nothing ever gets done. That's why Solomon says, like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. Because, right, you send them out and they don't accomplish what you've asked them to do. And those who send them out are only frustrated and irritated. As if someone took a cigarette and blew it right into your eyes. Like, oh, just not, 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 not devastating, not bad, just like an irritant. And kids, you can be irritants to your parents. If you just don't do what you're asked to do. Even when you're waiting, right? You're you're, you're bad to begin with. You're not doing those things proactively. And then when you're told what to do, you don't even do them. 
Like, not, not helpful. The sluggard always has an excuse. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. The sluggard's always got an excuse, always reason for this, always reason for that, always going to say what they're going to say. And, and just know this, that eventually, right, this is going to catch up to you. Poverty, verse 11 says this, it will come upon you like a robber and like an armed man. And the idea here is just a little rest today and a little rest tomorrow and a little rest the next day and a little rest the next day, just a little rest the next day, and then suddenly there's going to come this armed robber to come and rob you in the Bible times with, with knife point at knife point. He's going to demand your wallet, and you're going to give up your wallet. It's kind of like the picture, though in practicality, when you're just slowly lazy over time, you're just giving up dollar bills, you're just losing money from your wallet, just draining away. But the idea here is it's going to lead to your ruin because you refuse to work. Proverbs 21, verse 25 says, The desire of the sluggard will kill him, for his hands refuse to labor. Proverbs 20, verse 4, The sluggard does not plow in autumn, and he will seek at harvest and have nothing. You've got to work, you've got to labor, and that's how financial protection comes. You know, I've, I've written a few books, not very many, but one of, the, one of the books, I think most all of you have had this, um, you read it, Passing by the Field. Um, I, got the, I got the title of this from Proverbs talking about the sluggard. I passed by the field of the sluggard and by the vineyard of the man lacking sense. And behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. It was covered, its surface was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. So look in the sluggard. What's the sluggard typified by? Just disrepair of many things, of weeds overgrown, Stonewall broken down. And when I looked, I saw, I reflected upon this. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty will come as a robber and you want like an armed man. Just that's, that's the idea. In the, passing by the field, I just, just look, there's an observation. that You know what? When people's possessions are in uh, disarray and they're sluggardly, their destruction will come. It's just obvious. Now, in terms of making application here, even beyond just uh, working hard at your job, just to encourage you all, just even thinking about spiritual things, eternal things, to, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. As it says in Colossians 2 and, and verse 13, you should work in your walk with the Lord, for sure. Now, that's spirit-empowered, that's, that's grace-enabled working, for sure. But consider that, that great expression of our, of our salvation in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one may boast. That, that's like the first half, right? Putting up security. You've gotten your sin and, and, and you're in trouble. And so you plead to the Lord and by His grace He totally forgives you. But then verse 2, speak, or the second point there, being a sluggard, just speaks then about how work, Right? We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has given us things to do. And and, in our walk with the Lord, certainly there's there's forgiveness of of great wrongs. But there is is responsibility to daily, consistently not be a sluggard in your spiritual walk either. 
just to walk rightly before him. And so I just encourage you kids to, to work hard. I encourage all of us to be a, a church that would work hard. This is the Protestant work ethic because we labor for the Lord and not for men. And thereby we'll avoid the, the traps of life which are so easy to ensnare us. So let's pray and then we'll go our way. Father, I would pray that you would give us this wisdom that's found in your word. God, by being responsible with uh, our finances, we might not be caught or ensnared in bad business deals. God, guard us from that, we pray. And Father, I pray on the second hand that you would guard us from laziness, that we would be hard workers, diligent about the, the business of the world that we're in. I pray you'd also help us to be busy about the business of, of you that we're in, of cultivating our relationship with you, our, our love for you, our, our desire for your word, um, and, and our delight and our, our joy in that. Just thank you even that Ryan began our, our service this morning, Psalm 119, verse 11. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, and they are the joy of my heart. God, help us to to follow after the joy of our heart, which is your testimonies, which is your word, which gives us this wisdom, which will lead to prosperity and not to poverty. God, I pray especially for the young people here, God, that they might heed these words and be wise, God, to, to work hard and know the, the joy of a, of a good day's labor and to reap the fruit of an honest day's wage. God, so provide for us in all ways, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.